guys. Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. Fun episode for you guys today. We got some news. We got some listener updates. We got some project updates for you guys. And, uh, and yeah. Chris is over-caffeinated for the record. Yeah, I am. We had to start this over. I started started beating on the mixer board because I couldn't get something to work. I, I had two Red Bulls. I can My kidneys are in pain. I can feel it. I can feel like an actual physical pain in my kidneys. That's not good. And my heart's like, hey, what's up? I, just so you know, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I, you can actually feel me beating right now. It's too much caffeine, of which I have not had much of lately so that's probably why so there you go but i'm jacked i'm ready to go i'm i'm ready Woo! to rock all right needless to say my entire project can be summed up with one clip if anybody knows that's the uh that's the clip from uh interstellar, from interstellar which yeah. is uh yeah you decided to drop your car off at the body shop and now it's taking 50 yeah, yeah I, they said the other day hey it'll be we're gonna do paint it now it's we're gonna paint at the end of next week which i guess it's thursday so that's potentially nine eight or nine more days <laughs> at and plus the, the weekend uh, at the quickest plus the weekend yeah and uh yeah that's kind of where we're at on that and it's honestly it's i'm come to this point now where i have all the work i was going to do this summer okay was canceled right i'm supposed to, you know i always go to road america yeah there's work i was going to do there with a the car okay i was going to go to lamont classic okay canceled i was going to go to car week mm-hmm. canceled i was going to go to lyft Canceled mm-hmm. all this stuff, all these things. I was gonna do the the Valkyrie run to Luft. Right. I was gonna maybe do a film of that. Canceled. Every part of work that I was gonna do and make money for this this summer was canceled. And it's also this. So you figured might as well just spend it all. Uh, it has nothing to do with that. That's not what I'm. I'm not upset about that. The point is, is that I think that I don't know if it's a man thing or a human nature thing. Okay. But I feel like we need to be maybe it's why cars never stop progressing but i think we need to progress as human beings like i think we have to have uh i think we need to be intellectually challenged or right um and that i'm not saying this isn't like a smart dumb thing this intellectual it's the intellectually challenged i at would your level. say you, you to- i agree chris you are intellectually challenged for spending this much money on your car without working yes yes agreed you're intellectually challenged it's the money is, is not what i'm worried about i have the money set aside for this already it's already i've already paid for over half of it Okay. So that's not what I'm worried about. I'm uh-huh. just I'm I'm reaching this point where I have I have no project to work on. Uh-huh. I have no project car. Uh-huh. I have no work to do other than the podcast right now. Right. And I I mean I'm writing. I'm doing some interviews and stuff like that, but I just don't feel like I'm really doing something. Like right now what I should be doing uh-huh. is I should be doing big prep for the big trip from Baja California to the Arctic Ocean. That's right. Which was going to be in July, August. Right. Which is also not happening. So right. every single thing that I was supposed to be doing over the summer was canceled. It's like my entire my entire life for the summer was canceled. All of my work, everything. And I'm really bummed about it. Yeah. And I'm really bummed and my car's not done. And one of my friends is like, I know why you're so bummed. It's because your office is at the body shop. And he was kidding. But it really <laughs> But it really struck home for me that yeah. I mean it's and you were we were talking earlier about um you're like, Oh, I need to have a notebook, you know, I need to be able to keep notes of my thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a notebook in my nine eleven. Your office. In my office, which is always I'm always driving. There's I really don't listen to the radio very much in that car. Sure. You know, a lot of people have shower thoughts, right? They're like, Oh, yeah. shower thoughts. Yeah. And, and sometimes they have like a crayon where they're actually write it in the shower. They have like the little shower <laughs> thoughts clipboard okay. or whatever. I have car thoughts. Uh-huh. That's where I, I grab, I'll pull over, I'll grab the little notebook out and I'll write down something. And if, if it's something I'm working on, 
and there's like uh, sometimes I'll think of like a great metaphor, or a great great way to explain something, or or a great great representation of how something made me feel that I can explain to people, like oh it was like this, or this road felt this way, or just the emotive way that I write and and speak, I write it, I put it in this notebook. Yes, and I haven't had anything to which put. I've learned a lot of your metaphors have to do with previous girlfriends. Um, on the podcast, yes, but <laughs> uh, on the podcast, yes, but when it comes to my writing, no. Okay, that's um, probably good. Yeah, and I just I feel a little I just feel a little empty, and yeah. I feel like there's so maybe... everyone is working from home, and you also are not able to go to your office to work. Yeah, I can't go to my office to work. Uh, I just just so if there's anybody out there, maybe just so you don't feel alone. Maybe if you're struggling with any of this stuff with the isolation and the and things aren't going well for you, you're not alone. You know, if, if you want to talk about it, reach out to me. We can hang. We can talk via social media, whatever. We're here for you. And uh, you're not alone in feeling a little bit empty at times. Right. And, and Which is kind of how I feel right now. I feel really, really just, I feel really low with all the projects and the car and the work and everything. And I'm really looking forward for things to, for uh, for getting out of this. And speaking of getting out of things, uh-huh. um, I'm ha- there is a guy, an individual that is a human being, uh-huh. I, I've confirmed that they are a human being and not a bot. Okay. They're going to be coming to look at my wagon maybe on Saturday. Maybe. This is a big deal. Maybe. If that thing goes, then I can potentially buy a new daily driver. Okay. Um, I might, if the nine, like if this juxta, juxtaposition works where, um, or it, it coordinates rather with my 911 being done, uh huh. I'll just daily drive that. Right. I'll just daily That's drive that. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. I'll daily drive that. But I still, um, I can't really, I don't really feel comfortable uh, if I take a car or I, if I need to take a car to go get something at the store where it's big or something. Right. And leaving my wife at home with the 911 and two kids just doesn't mm, seem great. So I still need to have some sort of other vehicle around. What do you think I should get? I know exactly what you should get. Okay. There's only one you, answer to this? Yeah. What were you just complaining about? Last week, I think it was. Maybe oh, let's two pin weeks it ago. down. Yeah. <laughs> let's the pin it down. The only you've ever complained about. No, you were like, oh, I had to go rent a truck because I don't have anything that can haul anything. So why don't you get, for the first time in your life, a pickup truck? The most practical thing you can have. You can get it with four doors and a rear seat even. Just get a pickup truck. It's something that you can drive and work and it'll just, uh, it, it sounds- makes so much sense. I don't, that's probably the problem is that <laughs> it maybe does make a little bit of sense. Uh, I drive down here a lot. Okay. I don't, I don't really want to get a truck that gets terrible fuel economy. Cause your nine eleven gets such good fuel economy. That's what really, it, well, before I put the carbs on it, it, it did get about 26, 27 miles per gallon. Okay. Which is, what does yours get? I have no clue. I've never done the math. Yeah. It's, it's probably much worse with the, with the CIS. It did fine. You know, yeah. it was, it was not a bad fuel economy car. I don't yeah, want to my, my bigger Venturi's with my massive fuel. Just like puking like yeah, a fire hose. Just, I don't I don't want a truck. It's not going to happen. Okay. If I need to use a truck, I can just borrow a truck. I'm not going to buy a truck Perfect for Perfect winter vehicle. Safe. No, no, I don't want one. See, it's got to be it a, makes I don't a want lot a truck. of sense. I was I was thinking um I still am thinking like a two-wheel drive 996. Okay. Uh 6-speed would be uh, <laughs> would be great. Um also maybe like an old Audi 4000. If I can find one that's in decent condition, I was thinking maybe those one of those. Those don't exist. That's an oxymoron. What? In decent condition? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're all pretty roached out. Um, problem with a lot of these cars is they're they're cool now, uh-huh. but for this, 
this middling period of time for maybe 15 years of their existence, nobody wanted anything that right. we now think is cool. Right. And they're all gone. Everything is gone or and rusted or, or just not totally destroyed. Forward. Deferred maintenance out the wazoo. Yep. And you know what I was thinking about the other day? There was a, you showed me mm-hmm. a Mark II Golf turbo diesel. Yeah. That was $1,700 yeah. in Green Bay. And I was like, should I buy this? Like uh, I had it lined up where a buddy of mine, like he reached out to me. He's like, I'm out here. I found this. Is this cool? Do you want this? It was sort of cool. It wasn't the original color. It was too shiny. I think it was actually like a dark blue and someone had painted it black. Yeah. And it just kind of It was didn't, a four door. It didn't have the right vibe going on. It just didn't. It was kind of like. I could ah. lower it on like some RSs and I could have been cool. I don't think you would tolerate how slow they actually are. Yeah. And no air conditioning and everything yeah, else. I know. You know it, it's, and you look at something like that and I go, the other day I was like, wow, the last time I owned a Mark II. They were only like 15 years old. Now they're 30 years old. <laughs> and that's why all this stuff is gone is the stuff I thought was cool. And, and when it was back when it was pretty cheap, 15, yeah. 16, 17 years ago, now they're really old. They're, these cars are approaching 30, you know, 25 to 35 years old. Sure. And they're all gone. The parts are gone. You used to be able to go to the junkyard and see a Mark II Volkswagen. Sure, of course. You could see them. They were there. You could, or a 16 valve, you could get parts. Oh, I'm going to grab this intake manifold, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Ooh, it's the 42 mil intake manifold from a later one. Great, I'm going to grab that thing. And uh, yeah, none of that stuff exists anymore. You're lucky oh. if you find a Mark III in the junkyard. You're, there's yeah. Mark IVs are around, yeah. but even that is, they're 20 years old almost. Yeah, I suppose. You know, 1999s when the Mark yep. IV came out, they're over wow. 20 years old at inception. And even those are starting to get kind of, if I could find a really, really clean four-door 1.8T Golf, that would yeah. be great. That would be cool. But I just saw one. Yeah, but probably wasn't in good shape. Probably had a million miles on it. I think I just saw one. I'll have to go back and find okay, that. Well, if that doesn't do it for me, but probably in five years, we'll be like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think so. I think Mark 3s right are going to be the next. I think Mark 3s are going to be the next cool thing. Um, E36s have already kind of like come up a little bit oh, as yeah. being cool. And I think the, uh, especially like a Mark 3, just imagine a Ginster Yellow Mark 3 VR6. Oh, would be awesome. I think those were cool forever. Like yeah. those, those never dipped down is not cool. Um, I don't think they've ever dipped down, but I think the appreciation for that stuff also based on the rarity of it. Yeah. Because they're all trashed. They yeah. were cheap. They were dirt cheap. Um, I would even take a Jetta GLI or GLX. I guess it would be VR6. Okay. I would fine as long as it's not that green, that forest green color. Yeah, I don't care for that. I'm either. not much of a fan of the green with the no. tan interiors. Is, is no good. What about the B3 Passats? No, I hate those ones with don't have any grill. Yeah, no, those things are awesome. Oh, so in a wagon. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. If they're like low on some little BBSs, like little gold BBSs, maybe, but no. That was one of the first. Uh, I actually had a B4 Passat okay. when I met my wife, and it had a two liter eight valve in it. Yay. Mm-hmm. Of course, I chipped it and saw no results whatsoever. <laughs> uh, but that was the first thing I actually put a chip in. Was a, was, and that was, that was a lame car. It was green with the tan interior. See. But it was, a, it was a nice car. A VR6, one of those wouldn't be bad. They had a VR6. They also had a TDI, okay. which I don't really want. Nope. I don't want to deal with the diesel stuff anymore. You've I've, been I've, doing a lot of diesel stuff. And I've kind of just like, oh, I'm just kind of over it. So yeah. I don't know. If anybody has any suggestions of what they think I should buy, let me know. Yeah. I'm open. So what about speaking you? of cheap stuff, what were you going to say? Your truck, you showed me a video of it getting towed away. Yeah, it's truck's gone. gone. Truck's gone. Were you sad? Was there no. any emotional distress? Not really. No. And the guy, I got what I wanted out of it. 
And the guy, when he pulled up, he's like, it was so, he, from the time he contacted me to the time he drove away with it was less than 12 hours. Like he this contacted wasn't the Corvette me, guy? No. Okay. The, he contacted me, I think, on Thursday night or what something. What was the buyout on that Corvette, by the way? If you wanted to just buy it from him, what did he want? Six. Okay. Mm, yeah, no, never, not worth yeah, it. No. The more I looked, I was like, totally not worth it. Yeah. It did have T-tops, though. Ooh. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, that's almost right there. Yeah. No, so he contacted me at night, and he's like, what was he? I think the first question he asked is, what's the VIN on this? I want to see if I can get a loan on it. And I was like, that's how you're starting the conversation? <laughs> and so I sent him the VIN. And then he's like, is there anything wrong with it? Blah, blah, blah. He called me. I was like, yeah, no, it's good. Everything else. And he goes, all right, what's your full legal name so I can get a cashier's check? I was mm -hmm. like, oh, my goodness. Okay. But it's, I know, I, at first I was kind Without of skeptical. Looking, did he, right. Like, yeah. He didn't look. And so then Maybe I was Maybe you like, just got one of those trustworthy faces, Jake. I do. You're just, you I got really that do. face. You should trust me. And actually, here's how it went. I had someone who was wanting to come out to look at it at like 5 p.m. the next day. And I go, well, you know, yeah, you can come out, but I got one guy coming to look at it for, for tomorrow. And he goes, hmm, well, what do you want out of it? And I was asking nine. I said, I have to get at least $8,000 out of it. Yeah, and he goes, "Well, I was gonna offer you seven, so that brings us to seventy-five. And I was like, "Yeah, I got someone coming." He goes, "Well, what about seventy-seven fifty? And I was like, mm, "You're in the ballpark, but again, I have someone already coming to look at it, right? And you haven't seen it yet, so why are you trying to negotiate yeah, with me?" And yeah. He goes, "I tell you what, can I come?" I, or he goes, "I hate to even ask, can I come and take a look at it before that guy?" And I go, "For eight grand, you can." Yeah, and so he's like, "Okay." So he literally came with a cashier's check made out to my name. And he comes out here and he goes, wow, yeah, this is good. This looks clean. This is everything else. And he goes, you know, I probably Except shouldn't tell you. windshield. No, there's no, no, I replaced that, Chris. Sure you did. Well, it broke five minutes later. <laughs> he goes, I probably shouldn't tell you this. I already bought a brand new GM crate engine for this thing. Oh, wow. So he's like serious on this thing. So, but the original motor, like an original. Yeah, just what the, the inline five. I go, can I ask what you paid for that? He goes, $4,300. For just the long block. With zero so, miles. With zero miles, has like a warranty on it. It's probably the right move for that truck, but I don't feel bad knowing how much it would have taken to get it back on the road. Yeah, you think of the cost of the motor. Yeah, 4300 bucks, but then it's like, oh yeah, plus all the hoses that you break taking apart. <laughs> and plus the, the new hours clutch. Upon since he's he's going to look at the clutch that oh, you yeah. roasted. Oh yeah, for sure. And go, wow, this guy's an idiot. Look yep. at how burned up this yep. clutch is. He must have tried yeah. to back his boat up backwards. Without, yeah, reducing the trailer brakes. <laughs> yeah, you do remember that story. <laughs> oh, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He's oh yeah, see so that a new sure. clutch, new pressure plate probably. Yep. It was funny. Oh, I forgot to tell you this story. So Did it come with the trailer hitch? No, I took the trailer hitch. You took the really yeah. big trailer hitch. My dad's like, oh, you better keep that. That's a cool trailer hitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Must, that must be genetic. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I pull it out and I get it washed up. I was like, I want it to look good for the guy. And he's like, does the transmission run out fine? I was like, yeah, it's just the engine. He goes, can I take it? Because it was at my parents' house and they live in a cul-de-sac. Can I just take it down the driveway around the cul-de-sac? I go, if it makes it that far, sure. And so he fires it up. <laughs> no, it sounds great. And I'm kicking myself, like, wait. It's because it's cold. I was and like, wait, ton of oil did it pressure. just need to, like, work in or something? And he drives away down the block instead of just turning to the cul-de-sac. I'm like, this thing sounds fine. I'm kicking myself. Maybe I shouldn't sell it. Yeah. Maybe it's going to be okay. Then and then back. I hear him coming. <laughs> That's what it was. And then it kills in the cul-de-sac right in front of his trailer, his car trailer. Just seized up. Yep. That was the end of that. Yep, that was it. So I <laughs> it's think probably because it had, like, Ulta's, like, 
200 psi oil pressure or something. right because i put a ton of like gear lube in it on top of the regular oh my oil God, Jake. oh okay. yeah i was trying to make that thing not noisy okay and so but hey it all worked out good for him yeah, well, at least it ran. He got to feel the clutch and the transmission exactly. and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, that all worked out. Yeah, so, so that's good. What else is I've going also on? been just like clearing up my shed, getting rid of stuff. And my only point to this story is people on Craigslist are stupid. Well, we've we've created that as a baseline yes, for Yes, but years. here's why. I had an old spare wheel tire for my boat trailer, which I sold, which I probably should have sold with the boat and yeah. trailer, but oops, oh well. So I listed it for 20 bucks, okay? Okay, just, here's, here's the problem. Anything cheap on Craigslist that you're, if you're trying to sell something for five or $20, my wife tries to do this all the time. Yeah. Oh yeah. I got this chair. I'm going to try and sell it on Craigslist. Right. It's $20. And then she gets a million people. Yes. Going, Why? Oh, take it. Yeah. Yes. Take it. But because it's only a $20 thing, they go, eh, I don't really want it. It's right. like, it's, it's, that's the opposite of what happened to me, Chris. Okay. This guy drove for an hour and a half to get the $20 wheel. How much would it be at fleet farm? I don't like a hundred dollars. Well, is that worth it? No, that is not worth it. It depends on what you get he paid at work. He also goes, yeah. he's like, oh, I need a 215, blah, 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 14. And he's like, what is that one? I was like, it's a 205, whatever. He's like, will that work? I was like, maybe. Yeah. Like, it's kind of close. And he goes, okay, I'll come down. And he did. And he came he and he got did. the tire. That's just why. Wackadoodle. Why? I don't know. That's, yeah. So that's my update. Also, what? have you ever vinyl wrapped anything? Uh, Does plastic dip count? No. <laughs> No, it doesn't. I've done plenty of plastic out. Uh, no, I have not. Vinyl wrapping is hard. Yes, I very, it is. very hard. So on the Ducati, unless something is flat. And yes, this was easy. not flat. Are you doing the gas tank or something? Yeah. So on the Ducati, they have. It's part of like the Scrambler's thing. Is they have these little side plates on the gas tank, and they're, are they chrome? Uh, the, they're brushed aluminum. Okay, yeah, I yep. think I know what you're talking about. And so they, their whole thing was like, you can buy different side panels for it. So you can do like, you know, black ones, or yeah. you can do these brushed silver ones. I always ones thought it, it looked silly. I thought it should just be body color. Right. And so I kind of did too. So I was like, oh, I just want black ones that'll work with the rest of the layout. And so I looked at these things. They were like 300 bucks for these stupid panels. I was like, well, I'm just gonna, I, I thought about plastic dipping. I was like, eh, that doesn't last very long. So I got some high quality vinyl. And it's this very hard contoured shape. It's a and lot of it heat. Took me forever. Did you have a heat gun? A lot of heat and a lot of like a lot of pulling. You don't realize how much you have to basically stretch out. And now imagine the vinyl. doing it something that had a had a pattern or a photo on it or something. Like, oh my like god! Like the mural behind us. Yeah, was, at least that's flat. But it was still hard because yeah, you, you can't have to stretch it. You can. You can stretch and shrink it. But, but then you, you better get... stretch and shrink the next panel. Yeah, exactly. Everything has to match, and it's it's a it's a total shit show. So yeah, I mean the guys that do that for a living, I mean kudos to them. No for kidding, sure. for sure. All right, well let's get on to the news. All right, so Tesla has achieved level five autonomy. So they or they're going to very soon. Okay. According to, as as in this year. Oh. As in this year, level five. Now what what's level five? Level five is you don't touch. It doesn't have a steering wheel. It, it actually, doesn't even. You do not have to have a steering wheel. Yeah. As a human being, do not need to interact no, with the vehicle. Right. You just get all. in and it's like you sync your phone and tell it where to go. Yeah. You you don't have to do anything. You can play Nintendo Switch or put your feet behind you and do other things. I mean, there was that BMW commercial behind that got you? banned. Well, yeah. The BMW commercial that got banned. Because it was just showing people having sex in the car. <laughs> and that is the, I mean, that's the ultimate of level five driving, right? You can just, sure. well, it's a six hour drive. We can spend at least 12 minutes doing this in the back seat. <laughs> Elon Musk says, quote, I'm extremely confident that level five or essentially complete autonomy will happen. And I think it will happen very quickly. Now, here's the key statement in this. 
level five or essentially, essentially complete autonomy, which gives him a total out to go. Well, yeah, this well, is I said this is essentially what I, I was talking about. This, um, you know, what are the problem with this is is that we've made level five autonomy this this thing. It is yeah. this black and white thing. It's that these are the requirements for it, and I don't think we're ever going to get to a point where they meet the pure expectations of level five. Okay. At least not when we have other people driving on the road. Yes. Unless the entire system is built for level five autonomous capable, it's going to be this gray area at all times. Anyway, he says, I think at Tesla, I feel like we are very close to level five autonomy. I think I remain confident that we will have the- I, I remain confident. I, I think that I might be confident. We will have the basic functionality for level five autonomy complete this year. So, yes, I think there are no fundamental changes remaining for level challenges. Cha- yeah, sorry. Challenges remaining for level five autonomy, um, except for baby carriages and uh, <laughs> weather. Like weather, what if like mud splashes on the sensors? Up here in the Midwest, rain, deer. Um, sure. Well, it'll see deer. I don't. I'm not worried about that. But you've got all kinds of different road textures, and sometimes the lines aren't even there because right. the road is worn. So um, my my Porsche Macan has the lane assist feature where you right. hit the button and it'll turn green when it sees the lines and just keep you between the lines. Yep. Bumper car mode. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work probably 50% of the time. Yeah, it's 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 not great. There are many small problems, and then there's the challenge of solving all those small problems and then putting the whole system together and just keep addressing the long tail of problems. Okay, so what I read is, we are going to do this this year, but there are a lot of problems, and we're just going to keep addressing problems forever in the long, ter- in yes. long tail. Yes. So we're really close, but we're not very close at all, which kind of reminded me of a couple different things okay you have uh there's you know the theory of relativity right sure the closer you get to the speed of light what Uh happens the the, like harder it is to achieve the harder it is to achieve it and the slower you go we're never ever going to get there yeah it's like zeno have you ever heard of zeno's paradox i had to look it up okay so basically you have the number one okay and if you take half of one, that's it's a one big, half. That's a big leap. Sure. You're halfway there. Yeah. But then what if you take half of the half? Then that's a quarter. Okay. And then what if you take a, a half of the quarter? That's an eighth. And then you take a half of the eighth. And that's a 16. And then 30 seconds, 64, 128, 256, five, tw- on and on and on and on. You keep having, you keep saying, well, we're halfway there. Yeah. We're almost there. We're halfway there. And it goes on forever. Yeah. And I feel like over the last three or four years that we've been talking about this stuff on the podcast is um, it feels a lot like the theory of relativity, which is <laughs> it's impossible because the closer you get, the, the, you just can never get there. You can never, ever get there because physics doesn't allow it in the terms of the theory of relativity. And the system doesn't allow it in terms of level five autonomy. It's just we're never going to get there. No matter how many times we get half of the distance from where we are, it's yeah. never going to happen. Um, What's really crazy is he's saying, where did he say this in the story? He basically said that the tech in the cars released today will be enough. And so it's basically just software. Yeah, he point. says, I'm absolutely confident that it can be accomplished with the hardware. Wow. Well, they did inv- in, uh, invent their own processor for this, right? Sure. They have their own processor. That's right. So they have some supercomputer in the car. The hardware is not the hard part. Yeah. It's not the hard part at it's all. It's the decision. Um, he says, uh, the Center for Auto Safety is skeptical as well, issuing this uh, statement regarding his remarks. I've never heard of the Center for Auto Safety, by the way. 
Tesla can make as many unverifiable claims as they want, <laughs> but as we've continued to see, they are working hard on getting level two right. Mm -hmm. Let's not forget, the other day, a level two Tesla slammed into a stopped police car in Connecticut <laughs> in the middle of a well-lined road on a clear day. <laughs> to avoid this charade and consumer and investor deception, the National Highway Transportation and Safety Authority could have written performance standards for features like automatic emergency braking or forward collision warning, uh -huh. or even have required driver monitoring systems for vehicles with ADAS features to avoid automation complacency. And that's what we've talked about is. Yeah. I haven't heard that term before, automation complacency, but that that's a good way of putting it. It's very self-explanatory. It's just saying because you expect the car to do it for you, you're not paying attention. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. But, of course, that has not happened. Instead, expect the NTHTSA, enforce, uh, NTHSA to respond by making a feckless statement about potential after-the-fact safety enforcement that is separated from reality as Musk's statement about Tesla's fully driver <laughs> capability is arriving, uh, arriving this year. Um, anyway, I don't – It's A, it is not going to happen. Yeah. Period. I just don't think it's possible. I don't, I think level here's, five. Here's the problem. Here's the worst case scenario is Musk releases it. He says, here, it's here. Level five, you can kick back. You don't have to watch the road. And then it's going to be all the accidents that follow suit. And what happens then? Even if they claim they can do it, what yeah, happens I, when, I don't it, know. when it fails? Usually what you, a lawsuit is based on fault. Okay. Right. So, so, so whose fault is it at that point? Whose fault is it? The what? way the law is written, there still needs to be a operator of a vehicle. Correct. So who's so the operator? It, it's the person who is sitting in that car. What if they say, well, sorry, this car said it was this. I was not the one operating the vehicle. Doesn't matter. But they're, if they're not the one, I'm just saying there's this gray I, area. I know there is. The problem is, is that the regulators and, and Congress has not caught up to this. No. These are, these are a bunch of dudes who, when you watch them talk about technology, <laughs> they are the biggest idiots ever. Yeah. Oh, the internet is a series of tubes. Or if you hear these guys talk about social media and Facebook and everything yeah. else like that, they are morons. And there needs to be, if we're going to have regulation that involves this, there needs to be a group at the NHTSA that deals with this specifically. Yeah, the, I think we'll they're they're behind. That. The technology is moving way faster than the legislative body can, way faster than uh, anybody expected it to, and yeah. it's being adopted way faster. The adoption, yeah, you're right. That's what actually is moving really quick. But in a sense, you want the laws to be slow in that perspective. You you do, but you also have uh, uh, the community is at risk with this. Sure. So this is something that affects everybody. Okay, yeah. so these cars, when they're out on the road, it affects everyone. So we need to get this figured out fairly soon so that there's a structure and expectations in place. Just like this says, hey, we need to have written performance standards. Yeah. Okay, we need to know this is what is expected of this. And if it doesn't meet that, it's not considered this and it can't be marketed as such is basically what they're saying. Sure, that there, makes sense. There needs to be, because right now when you look at all the safety stuff that's in these cars, whether it's adaptive cruise control, everybody calls it different things. Yep. They all... And, and I don't necessarily mind that so much, but it's really, really hard for the consumer to have expectations set with this does this. Like right. if you go from a BMW to a Lexus, they call it a different thing. It operates in a different way. Yep. It, it's really difficult. Whereas, um, I mean, this is an oversimplification, but you have an airbag that does one thing. Everybody knows what it is. It's called SRS. It's the SRS airbag supplemental restraint system serves the same purpose. And it's manufactured by one company that or, <laughs> that, <laughs> that gets recalled all the time. They blow I'm up. just saying we have <laughs> we have a very very a good idea of what that is. Sure. There's no reason that we can't have adaptive cruise control have the same thing. So why don't we take the 
the who why don't we go okay which company has the best adaptive cruise control oh here's the thing if you have mercedes has the best adaptive cruise control they're going to say yeah well that's our technology we're not going to give that away to anyone right but i mean that's kind of what happened with airbags right i think it was we should look well we did a whole safety episode yes yeah, i think we did uh safety uh, first and safety was first. it mercedes or volvo that said well airbags are great volvo okay gave so it they, away. they gave it away that's right that was that was awesome yeah, uh, it's, it's 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 kind of this balancing act. Like, how do you how do you do this? I don't know. I'm not sure. But there needs to be some sort of standard so everybody can understand. And we're not. I don't think we're ever getting to level five. Yeah, not I without redoing so the entire. You might have local pockets of it. Okay. Let's say you have like like Los Angeles, and they'll say on these roads, this is autonomous only. These sure. freeways. If this is what it is. When you get on this freeway, you will be driving an autonomous motor. You're going to get fined or whatever. Blah blah blah. Those closed systems sure. will probably work great. At level five, I could see but that. nobody's driving down San Andreas Avenue or whatever it is over there with all these cars <laughs> driving around, people running across the street. The problem is they will, they will attempt to. Yes, and I think there needs to be some sort of law that is specifically related to this that says you cannot, and that's going to be up to the local municipalities to do that. Whoever is in charge of the governing body of the the roads that are there. Well, don't drive in Silicon Valley anymore then, if that's the case. Yeah, for sure. So, Chris, last week you talked about BMW being really Yeah, cool. so we've been slowly peeling away this M3, M4 thing. Okay. And the week before that, it was like, oh, my God, they're terrible. They're doing minivan. And then it was like, oh, my God, this competition M3 is great. Yeah. And now, and we talked about the camel that was on the cars. Oh, yeah, yeah. They pulled the camel off the front, and you can see that it looks horrible again. Oh, it's no, got the, it looked better with the camel. Yeah, so it's, it's like there's a roller coaster ride of like, oh, yeah, oh, no, oh, yes, oh, no, what are you doing? But it has the huge engine grills and it's Ugh. it's hideous and i don't care how good the performance car is i'm not going to marry someone i'm not attracted to just because they do laundry with extreme efficiency <laughs> i have to be in, a, in what what do you do laundry in chris a laundry machine that's correct that's right, right. <laughs> <laughs> i have to be attracted to it i don't care about their performance i'm not going to get into a car and drive it and just pretend i don't pretend that it's a good looking car when it's not yeah. You know, I have to be attracted to it. it. It's just part of the equation. And BMW is just not doing it right. We've talked about why and stuff like that, so I'm not going to get into it. No. But, uh, so sp speaking of attractive cars, Chris, what is arguably the most beautiful car ever? The Ferrari built? P40. Okay. Yes. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. No. I was going to say the Ferrari 250 GTO. That was built between 62 and 64 and is the firm's most iconic model. Only 39 were ever built, and they are what many consider the holy grail of classic cars. They sold for over $50 million just last year. They are truly beautiful. Yes. Well, unsurprisingly, Ferrari had that shape of the car trademarked until now. How do you trademark something for that long? Well, that's part of the problem. Okay. So Ari's Design, which is a, quote, bespoke car manufacturer. That word should be deleted from Yeah, from so I said, a.k.a. kit car manufacturer. Yeah, let's right? go with that. They took Ferrari to the cancellation division of the European Union Intellectual Prop Protection Office. Leave it to Europe to have just one more agency. Yeah. Grief. So they argued that Ferrari had not put the contested trademark to genuine use for a continuous period of five years, which, uh, obviously, according to lawyers, had been, quote, filed in bad faith, namely as a defensive mark in order to block third parties to produce and sell similar cars. And so at the center of this case was Article 581A, which states that a trademark cannot be revoked or can be revoked if within a continuous period of five years the trademark has not been put to genuine 
use. And of course, Ferrari has not built the 250 GTO in over 70 years. Yeah, so basically what they're saying is, hey, we got to keep the economy moving here. You can't just hold this <laughs> trademark forever. You know? Basically. So, it's so this- here's, here's the question, though. Is this considered art? So, yes. That's my thought, is that this is considered a piece of art. They so you're, you're, did try to argue that as well. I okay, believe. I'll let you go. Uh, I didn't talk about that because okay. basically that law was one. They said, okay, yep, you're right. The the trademark is no longer active. Oh, my God, okay. So you guys can go ahead and produce all those kick cars you want. So Left basically, and right. So within five minutes, we're going to have electric 250. Oh, hell short yeah. Short wheelbase, What's, whatever. So it's interesting, though. This use it or lose it argument was actually just used last year in a completely different industry. The Irish fast food chain Supermax <laughs> successfully fought McDonald's over the trademark Big Mac. Well, they have been using the Big Mac within the last five years, though. I mean, they make big, they make millions of Big Macs every day. Uh, maybe not in Ireland. I don't Come know. On. I don't they know. Don't. I don't know. I don't know, Chris. <laughs> they I only don't made know. one Big Mac in like 2018. The article said they used this exact same uh, argument, basically. And so just like non-genuine Big Macs, the ruling paved the way for copycat 250 GTOs. And I do have a side note here. Interesting, this news follows last week's global reveal of the new Inuos Automotive Grenadier 4x4 which is a new car launched by British billionaire Sir Jim Ratcliffe. Which, Sir. Yes. The off-roader is basically a retro mod of the iconic Land Rover Defender. And having heard that Ratcliffe was planning on doing this, Jaguar Land Rover attempted to trademark the shape of the Defender. And in November of 2019, it was confirmed that the uh, Land Rover brand had lost that long-running legal battle with the billionaire. So what do you think of all these resto mod things i mean uh, here's are you cool with it or what's the story here's why they don't bother me it's not like they're going to be built in great numbers no but it's it's still you're basically yeah anything uh, that's not genuine of course isn't as cool as the real thing but how cool is it actually they're appropriating the culture they're being like well this is cool and we want to be like that so we're just gonna that's like saying um someone really likes your wife You've got your wife, Nikki. She's great. She's uh-huh. a beautiful woman. She's uh-huh. a doctor. She's wonderful, right? Uh-huh. Someone's like, you know what? I want a Nikki. Okay. So they go over to the genetics lab and they said, hey, I want a Nikki. And we're, but we're going to make her an electric Nikki. <laughs> Wait, where can I sign up, Chris? <laughs> I'm Why? fine with this analogy. You can turn her on or off whenever you want. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, yeah, I dig it. She's not going to be anywhere cool as the original Nikki. You know, uh, she's know. just I'd, appropriating your well, Nikki. She, I'd give her a taking, try. She's, <laughs> <laughs> she's taking your your accomplishment of scoring the doctor wife, which uh-huh. is amazing in itself, uh-huh. um, but knowing you. And <laughs> they're able to just build one without all your hard work and effort that you've put into scoring this wife. As long as they give wife. me uh, one of the promo models, I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll check with Nikki and see how she feels about it. Okay. All right, so speaking of Ferrari, back in February, race-winning Super GT driver Taikuya Izawa flung around a showroom stock example of a 2021 Civic Type R limited edition around the 3.6-mile track in 2 minutes and 23 seconds. This is around Suzuka. Yeah. Suzuka What circuit. does this have to do with Ferrari? I'll get there. Beating the record-holding Renault McGane RS Trophy R by almost half a second. Izawa's lap time also eclipses that of a Ferrari F40. Oh, wow. Whose best lap of 2.25.26. So it's almost two seconds faster than a Ferrari F40. Wow. 
Retaking the record for Japan required Honda to chop out a good 46 pounds from the Type R, 28 of them coming from reduced sound deadening, and 18 from unsprung mass reduced forging BBS aluminum wheels. Michelin Pilot Sport Cup 2 tire. Ding! That's that's it, right there. You've if got you tire. put an F40 on a modern tire. Oh my God, it would absolutely <laughs> destroy. The journalists were saying that um, the zero to 60 time of a Ferrari F40 is like 4.6 seconds. Okay. But it's it's 60 to 100 second time is around six. <laughs> just so just put it, that in perspective, like a new Mustang GT is 10. Yeah. So it's almost twice as fast as a new, I mean, it is insane, but that was because of traction issues. Yeah, exactly. You put you a set put of power down. Sport Cup 2s on an F40, it's going to just, destroy yeah. now here's the question this is progress right this is inevitable progress sure um is anyone taking a new civic type r over an f40 no zero people literally but none you know the people who did buy that civic type r limited edition they go you know it's faster than f40 oh totally you know it's a just like that 944 guy at the gas station said hey 50 50 weight distribution <laughs> yeah okay buddy yeah yeah you want you just gotta go in there and get your little smash burger and yeah. keep to yourself um, it certainly costs less. The spanking new Civic R, Type R, is $37,000. Okay. Well, an F40 was $400,000. Yeah, um, well, it's more than that now, too. Yeah, well, it was $900,000 in today's dollars okay. and, and with inflation. But they're going for Right now, money. it's like one and a half to $2 million yes. for an F40. And which is a heck of a deal compared to a 250 GTO. Yeah, which, yeah. yeah sure. Yeah, I'll take either one. Heck of a let's deal. just Let's go for either heck one. But deal. seriously, no one is going to pick, if, if there's no cost involved, Every single car guy in the world, every single dude, if the even guy if that you just, didn't know the value of them, if you didn't, yeah, if, even if you didn't know the value, right? And, if, yep. and all the mystique and the enigma and all of that was stripped away and you put them right next to each other and you gave the keys. Actually, I would just say that anybody that picks the Civic, uh-huh. I'm not friends with that person. Sure, there you we'll go. just go with that. Yeah. I'd, although I feel like it would be very, very few people that would do it. Okay. Unless they really want that air conditioning. Yeah, well. F40 doesn't have air conditioning. That's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. So, Chris, the MV Golden Ray was a 656 foot. What? 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 Would you daily drive an F40? If I if could. If you were rich enough, but, uh, would you daily drive an F40? The, my concern, yes, but my concern is that I'd crash it. You know what I mean? Like, that's What the do you concern. care? You would, the one that burned to the ground almost entirely is just being restored. Okay. If you're rich enough to own an F40 and daily drive it, you don't care. Are okay. you just driving? If I'm that rich, then yes. Is that the car that you would choose? No. <laughs> if, <laughs> no. What, what my choice, what I would really like to do is I would like to take one of those street legal 934s that they built. Okay. Or like a or like a, maybe make a 935s or an RSR street legal. Yeah. And then just drive it every single day. Just probably would hate myself yeah but it would feel so good to just drive that every day and everybody if would just i was rich enough you. to have one of those i would have a singer that i daily drive how about that all right let's move on all right so there was this ship full of cars that capsized in georgia it yeah, was called yeah, yeah. the mv golden ray it was a 656 foot long car carrier built in 2017 at hyundai dockyard in ulsan south korea which we talked about in our history of hyundai episode yes yeah. so I say it was a 656-long ship because shortly after midnight on September 8th, 2019... That's a big ship, by the way. It's a very big <laughs> ship. It started to list to one side as it departed with a load of 4,200 Hyundai and Kias, and the ship eventually capsized in shallow water. Now, thankfully, all 24 people on board were rescued by the Coast Guard, but the ship is still there today, 
And after nearly a year, the salvage operation is about to begin. So how do you salvage a, basically a ship that's like almost like an eighth of a mile long? Well, here's what they're going to do. They're going to basically create the world's biggest chainsaw and hack this massive ship into smaller pieces to haul away. What do you mean? A massive... What do you mean? I'm just imagining like... Yeah, it's massive, this chainsaw. So it's a massive arch-shaped heavy lift vessel called the VB-10,000. <laughs> it's a great name for anything. Oh, yeah. They were like, VB-1000? No, it's the 10,000. No, no. This was some guy that was super into like 4chan or something, and they, first they were going to call it the VB-9,000. Okay. And they said, no, 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 no. 10,000. 10,000. <laughs> Way better than 9,000. Yeah. Way over 9,000. So this thing is going to park around the capsized ship, stretch a giant chain under it, and start pulling back and forth as its twin winches slowly lift the chain. Wait, wait. So this is more like a survival saw. Yeah, so you've seen those survival saws where it's basically a serrated cable with two handles. Basically, if you're ever using one of those, you are <laughs> yes it's, it's not yeah, a, they're well, i mean they're meant to cut through tree limbs slowly by pulling the cable back and forth right and so that's exactly what they're doing but instead of a small tree branch it's a 650 foot long cargo ship quote we expect fires to happen <laughs> we expect fires to happen well i'm it's, said yeah. said chris graff director of response no, for here, salvage specialist floating right? gallagher marine it's floating i think it's on the bottom is it really it's in shallow water. Okay, so it basically ran aground and then tipped over. So there are or different it, theories. Did it capsize and then wash ashore? Mm, no, I think it capsized and then its like buoyancy went down because it's not on its hull. Oh, okay. so that's where it's like. Okay, I got you. It's, yeah, so they were saying there's there's actually ballast you can like take on water on one side of the hull or something, and so they think the ballast system either went wrong and so they've got too much weight on one side and it tipped. Either that or they didn't have any ballast and now the thing's top heavy because it's floating on top of the water and yep. then it went over. Okay. So Gallagher, he's uh, the response specialist for the salvage company Gallagher Marine. In addition to fires, Graf expects falling debris as a and a release of petroleum. The command is planning for some of the 4,200 cars to fall into the water during cutting. You know, just like the wood chips from a chainsaw. Just, I'm imagining Except Hyundai is just flying, <laughs> like wheels and tires. And everything. I'm imagining this chain isn't going very fast. It's not. No, they're literally using a winch to pull it up on one side and then pull it up on the other side. Imagine the forces involved in this. Oh, I want to see this I chain. I want to hear it and be next to it when this happens. So the ship also has an estimated 40,000 gallons of bunker fuel on board. Yeah, we love that stuff. They're just going to cut right through it. In order to control these releases, the team has installed a ring around the vessel and the support and the support of a curtain of a five-foot square netting to contain errant debris along with an oil containment boom. Now, after removal, portions of the massive ship will be sunk to form reefs off the coast. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that's common. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they sink the, ships, and then they become these wonderful places for fish to live. And yeah, coral I, that's all cool. Over. So the objective is to remove the majority of the ship before September, which is the peak hurricane season for South Georgia. Here's the thing, Chris. I hate this plan. I think it's dumb, it's wasteful, and it will spill a ton of crap into the water. Okay, so you're obviously more intelligent than all the engineers that have been thinking about this for the past year or so. Yes. What are you going to do? It's a boat. It's supposed to float. Okay. Let's make it float again. My thought was, why don't we pump the water out? That's what I'm talking about. Make it float again. It's don't, a boat. Don't we have divers and welders and yes, stuff like patch that? Patch that bitch up and let's just make her float. There must be a reason they're not doing that. Ah, uh, they haven't talked to me. That's why. <laughs> yeah. No, Jake Slowberry, the maritime engineer. <laughs> either that or they do have these massive, have you seen like these heavy lifting ships where it basically sinks itself a few feet 
and then you can like put another ship on top of it. It's like a flatbed ship for ships. Yeah, but it's you'd it's have not, to build a ship for this. Enough yeah, for it's this. not going to be big enough for but that. I, I, I know everything imagine. seems really big for you, but it still is not just big. Yeah, enough so I'm them. used to dealing with big things, Chris. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right, so it's official. The recall replacement jack stands from Harbor Freight are being recalled. <laughs> You couldn't make this up. It's so sad, uh, honestly. Uh, this is via Eric Schmidt, owner of Harbor Freight. A few months ago, we recalled our Pittsburgh three-ton three, three ton and six-ton uh, steel jack stands due to a manufacturer's defect. We asked consumers to return them and receive a gift card that could be used to purchase replacement jack stands. I felt terrible about that recall because you should never have a concern about the safety of any of our products. But yes, you should because this <laughs> is the, it's the cheapest crap that you can get. Yeah. And when it comes to safety equipment, you don't want to buy the cheapest stuff you can get, period. Right. Today, I feel even worse. I'm disappointed and embarrassed because we've identified a welding defect in a small number of the Pittsburgh three-ton steel jack stands that replaced the recalled jack stands. We're now adding these jack stands to our recall. Unfortunately, this defect wasn't discovered during the initial recall investigation, a.k.a. we did not look, we are blind. <laughs> If you own these jack stands or any of these jack stands in our original recall, whether you're not, you have an issue with them, please stop using them immediately and bring them back to your local Harbor Freight store for a full cash refund or store credit. Um, Here, okay, but here's what's good. At least they're giving them cash back rather yeah, than a yeah, gift card. Yeah, that's what I would do too. There's certain things you buy from Harbor Freight. Yeah. And there's certain things you don't. Yeah. Buy the best tools you can afford. I will harp on it as much as I possibly can. Um, safety equipment, uh, try to get something decent. I, yeah. I feel bad for Mr. Eric Schmidt, owner of Harbor Freight. It's embarrassing. Yeah, not a good position to be in. Too bad. It's, uh, I, think, I don't think anybody's buying Harbor Freight jack stands for quite some time. No. So, Chris, the Dallas County Sheriff's Office is launching an investigation into why a couple of its deputies were allegedly racing in their patrol vehicles last week. Well, it's not alleged because the investigation comes after the video surfaced of a racing event at the Yellow Belly Drag Strip. In Grand Prairie, Texas. Where no one really wants to race. They just talk about it. Yellow, you know what a yellow, yellow belly is? Just <laughs> Do you know what yellow yeah, it means? A coward. It. Yeah, I just got it. Okay. Did you spell it Y-E-L-L-O? Is that how it's actually spelled? Is it like yeah, Mellow there's no Yellow? W, there's no W. Was it sponsored by Mellow Yellow? Uh, I, no. That's how you spell yellow on Mellow Yellow. Is it? No W, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. So the two deputies took to the track head-to-head in their patrol cars as a large crowd of spectators cheered them on. This is awesome. A spokesperson for the Daly County Sheriff's Office described the race as unsanctioned by our administrators. Oh, no. The office learned about the race on Friday when the videos from the event started getting viral attention online, the spokesman said. Some witnesses who were in the crowd described the race as a bonding experience between law enforcement and members of the community. Quote, in the eyes of the public, we saw it as a sign of positivity based on what we have going through in this country, one participant said. We don't think it'd be right if they got in trouble. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I think this is good. good it's for awesome. The and it's, it's a sanction of, it's at a racetrack. It's not like they lined up in some back road. Yeah, they're not out on Main which, Street or something. In my mind also would have been kind of cool. Would have been great. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 too bad that they are giving them a hard time about it. Um, I've got kind of a heartwarming yet sad story. Uh, it's gonna be our last story of the day, and then we're gonna get into a couple of listener questions. Okay. Uh, so this guy is uh, selling his Mustang to try and save his wife's life. This is uh, Robin Kim Schofield. We're told the cancer on, on his on Kim was inoperable due to its proximity to the brain, giving Miss Schofield less than a year to live. Mr. Schofield from Northampton, this is in England, who's hoping the car may fetch 30,000 pounds. Mrs. Schofield, 48, has been given between 6 and 12 months to live unless I can get her the urgent treatment she needs, Mr. Schofield said. The 49-year-old described his wife, who he has been with since he was 18, 
as my right arm. This family does not function without her, he said. So I'm raising as much money as I can, as quickly as I can, so that my two girls are not watching videos of their mom next year. Mr. Schofield put his car up for sale, for hoping to raise 150,000 pounds for private treatment that may extend her life. Quote, it's not often that I am a loss for words, but in a world where we have seen a lot of hate and anger, lately my faith has been restored in humanity. Yesterday, I posted my Mustang for sale to raise money Kim needs for treatment. Without me asking or saying a word, the amazing team and members of that group took my post far and beyond what Kim or I could have ever hoped and started fundraising to help me get treatment for Kim. Fellow Mustang owners rallied around and raised 13,000 pounds within 24 hours. Members of Facebook say Simply Mustangs UK saw his advert and got in touch with him, with its founder saying they wanted to help. They raised that money within a day through auctions and raffles. Another Mustang owner set up a Just Giving page saying he hoped Mr. Schofield would not have to sell his car. Mr. Schofield said he was humbled beyond belief by people's generosity, but he would still be selling it. We don't have time on our side. Kim is a fighter, and I will do everything I can. I can't get another Kim, but I can save up for another car. Wow. Truly a sad, but uh, really humbling knowing that what the car community does yeah. for its own. You know, it, it's, it's truly a good group of people. And uh, as always, you know, we used to, when we had the Yearworks money, yeah, I know that we went to, to charity. Just, we gave it to charity and we gave, I would always see people like in the group that needed help or whatever with, without telling anybody or anything. I doled out money like crazy in private for people. Mm. And it's the car community in general that is this really cohesive group. And I really love how everyone takes care of each other. That's an awesome story. All right, let's get into a, a couple listener questions. Sure. Gabriel Young says, what do you hate most when it comes to doing maintenance on your car, what's mm. your least favorite thing to do? Do you have an answer? Anything with rust. <laughs> Almost everything is easy. You can look online. You can see step-by-steps yeah. for anything. Yeah. There's FAQs. You can say, okay, well, step-by-step. There's manuals for everything. Mm -hmm. Everything on a car is very, very easy and defined generally sure. because you can see step-by-step step how to do it. And it only goes together one way yep, and it only comes true. up. I mean, it, things can come apart one. You can do things in different orders and stuff sure. like that. But in the end, it all has to go back together the same way it came apart. Right. And it's very, very understandable. Yeah. Even when it comes to wiring. I know people hate wiring. But even when it comes to wiring, if, if you've got a book, yeah. this wire goes here, this wire goes there. Right. And if it doesn't go there or it melted, it's broken. <laughs> Yeah, right. I mean, exactly. you've got that got that type of thing, and it's this mentality. But the problem is, is when things get rusty, yeah, then things start to go to shit. You, you're not using the DIY anymore. I Pretty know. soon, you're breaking tools and knuckles, and you're using torches and WD forty, and you're trying to. I mean, yeah, it's nothing is worse than rust. So I'm okay with almost any maintenance. But if I had, I guess if I had to pick something, uh -huh. um, and this is, I was looking at Alex Nelson's Instagram the other day, okay. and I saw that he was rebuilding axles. Ooh. I do not like to rebuild axles just because of how messy and disgusting yeah. and greasy it is. Yeah. And you're covered in grease. And I, I don't like doing axles. And I don't like doing exhaust work. Oh, really? Why not? Because it's difficult to weld when you don't have a hoist or anything like that. Yeah. And especially if 
if I'm talking about repairs. Sure. Replacing exhaust, no big deal. You yeah. just replace it. You're trying to repair exhaust that has a hole or a leak, and you're trying to weld on crusty, shitty metal, then we're back to rust again. <laughs> you know, that's, I really don't well, like the way that's why they make work. those nice clamps, Chris. You just clamp everything together. Yeah, and then you screw the clamp shut, and it just crushes your rusty metal, <laughs> yep. where there's like, yep. it's paper thin, like <laughs> onion wafers. Yeah. Which again, goes back to rust, I guess. What about you? Uh, based on, I'm looking at what I have been doing and what I've been putting off, I haven't detailed or washed a car in a long time. You don't like it? I don't. It does nothing for me. Why? I don't know. I'd rather, like, fix something manually, like, mechanical, rather than wash a car. So, slap and scratch, here I come. Yeah, yeah, I don't like seeing the, the scratches on cars like that. Although, it seems like every time I wash a car, I scratch it anyway. <laughs> because I don't take the time with the two-bucket method and I all know. the other stuff. I just, I know. I don't have the energy to just to devote to it. And which is sad because it means I have to buff my car all the time because I get it scratched all the time. Well, good thing we have our sponsor, Oberk. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We've got one more listener question, but before we get there, I want to remind everybody to go to patreon.com slash Overcrest. That's right. Support the show. It's only five bucks. Yes. Five dollars. You get exclusive content. I know I'm about a week late on our exclusive content for this month. I'll probably try and get it up this weekend. Don't worry. And then Jake will have something at the end of July, um, beginning of August That's right. uh, as well. And you also can get uh, T-shirts. You can get prints if you step up enough. We still have stickers, too. We still have a bunch of stickers. I usually uh, try to send stickers out to all the $10 guys. Yeah. Maybe I'll just do a run where I'll just send stickers to everybody. Heck, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to do that. You better join up. You're yeah, going to get a sticker. Every Patreon's getting a sticker this month. You I'm get gonna, a sticker. I'm, you get a sticker. Yeah, I'm going to send stickers to everybody that signs up this month. So everybody that signs up in the month of this is july i'm going to send some stickers out to you whether you're signed up already or you're new i'm just going to send everyone a couple of stickers i like that that'll be great all right last question of the day um this is from cash our listener from iran super cool dude he uh he called me and talked to me about photography and i talked to him for a little while he wants to come on the podcast to talk about um Iranian car culture. I would like that. I know. I really want to do it as some other things just keep getting in the way. He keeps messaging me about things too. Like his buddy just got a C10 over there, a Chevy C10 pickup, and he's asking me about it. And yeah, cool guy. It seems seems really, really interesting. It's very, very, the car culture there is very unique and it's obviously very restricted. Sure. You know, their whole economy is basically locked down. So it's very difficult to get a new car there, import cars. Um, I'm, I'm interested in hearing about it. Anyway, he says, I know you brought up this subject briefly on one of our interviews, but I would really like to know how someone could become a race car driver today. And I don't mean a 14-year-old with a rich father. Some <laughs> average Joe, maybe in his or her mid-20s. I'm asking for a friend. First of all, you better not be starting in your mid-20s. True. You need to be starting a lot. If we're talking about, does he say professional or just a race car driver? Hey, if you want to become a race car driver, you uh, can do it now. True. Then just you can go just to, go to autocross or go to lemons or, you know, do whatever sure. you want. Just go out and do it. Buy you know, a Miata and set it up for a track day. Whatever. You sure. can get out there. You can do it. If you want to be a professional, extremely difficult. You better be starting at age six, seven, eight years old. You better yeah. be in a go-kart. You better be going from go-karts to, you know, whatever classes after go-karts. I have no idea. <laughs> You know, some it might of the, be like Formula Ford or something. Formula Ford or whatever. Yeah, some stuff like that. Obviously, you're going to be doing all kinds of autocross, everything you can. You're just doing. And again, ed- you better have that rich father. You do need money. Yeah. It's just the fact of it because I it's. Would, I would say there is one exception. Let's say you are just that talented. I would recommend getting in on a series that is cheap but still has visibility. Like, what's that? Uh, I think a lot of the sprint car dirt track races 
potentially yeah, but have that, that leads visibility. to like, I mean, you're really pigeonholing yourself there. That's where a lot of the NASCAR drivers come yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, you're really kind of pigeonholing yourself there. But you do, you can move your way up in the. I guess in doing NASCAR stuff in stock car racing, yep, you can move up there for sure. It's probably a little bit easier than the road racing and the Maybe. and the track racing that you know, I know the a Europeans lot of guys do. come up on two wheels too, though. If I you're into like motocross that. or you know some of the crazy GP stuff, I think that's a little easier for mobility as well. He also says, thank you for finding these folks uh, like Richard Kelly. He made a comment about him and creating world-class content. Well, I guess if he's in Iran and he likes it, that by definition makes it world-class content, doesn't it? I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Quality content delivered as usual. Thanks, man. We really appreciate it. And we really appreciate our Patreons. And uh, we really appreciate our fans. And uh, guys, thanks for listening. We will see you on Monday. Take care. Thank you.